And now, the podcast we've all been waiting for, your source of baseball, sports, and other news. It's the AJ and the Case Podcast. Welcome back to the AJ and the Case Podcast. My name is AJ Garussi. Alongside me, virtually out in Indiana, Casey Burton. What's up, man? Oh, not much. You know, just hanging out, you know, trying to stay low, you know, not get arrested, going out That's to the good. park, you know, going going to the the uh, the bouncy house. Uh, you know, all that all, all that nonsense all stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Kids, don't get arrested. It's not fun. Not that either of us that have ever had that happen to us, but still. Anyway, you haven't? No, I have not. Why have you? Uh, no, I, I was just, I was kind of surprised that you hadn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, for all of you people out there who are stuck at home with no sports, we're going to try to provide a little bit of sports entertainment for you today. And we're going to debate. And basically, me and Casey have put together a list of the most underrated ball players in MLB right now. And mm. we are going to read off our lists and then debate each other on which is better. Cool. And I'm going to start this off. We're going to go from catcher to right field. You're allowed one starting pitcher and you're allowed one bullpen arm and two bench bats if you feel like you want to throw it in there. And I'm going to get it started. So y'all ready for this case? You, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm like, I'm nixing people on my, uh, on my team right now, looking, trying to find a less Cardinal looking uh, lineup. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, we actually just like recorded this and our recording went out, but basically Casey's entire team was the St. Louis Cardinals. Um. Well, not the entire team. Uh, there were two guys that weren't on the card. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so we're going to get it started. I'm a Detroit Tiger fan, and I still have a lot of guys. I have a few former Detroit Tigers, but we're going to start it off. Here we go. So, my starting catcher, most underrated catcher in the game. Casey, I'll give you a dollar if you can guess this catcher right now. Two seconds. Um, One. Two. Austin Hedges. No. Anyways, no. my starting catcher for the most underrated baseball team of all time is none other than Chicago White Sox catcher James McCann. And wow. This guy arguably is the most the most underrated catcher in the game. This guy went to his first All-Star game this year has been the runner-up for the Gold Glove for the past three years, losing to Martin Maldonado and Salvador Perez. The guy is, uh, he, in 2019, bats 273, 18 home runs. The guy has good power. He's just all around arguably one of the best defensive catchers, best catcher, one of the best catchers in the game right now. And nobody really knows who he is because – He's been playing for Detroit, and he played for Chicago, the White Sox. And the White Sox arguably will have a really – maybe will have a good team in this 2020 season. 
But, I mean, this guy, if you don't know his name, you're going to know it very, very soon. James McCann. What do you think about that? Um, well, I have to say it's an interesting pick. Um, honestly, I, I know like next to nothing about him in any way, shape, or form because I am not much of an AL Central person. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, you are a St. Louis Cardinal fan, and we'll try not to hold that against you at all. Yeah. Now, this next pick right here is my first baseman. And I, you could argue that this guy is a superstar. He does have superstar stats, but he doesn't get a lot of publicity. Joey Fado. And if No, sir. Oh, okay. This guy is a three-time All-Star. He has two Silver Slugger awards and was a Rookie of the Year. And you may be thinking – Okay, that is not underrated. That is so not underrated. You cheated. I did not cheat, okay? This guy, he just doesn't get a lot of publicity. He, he's not talked about ever at all. And, I mean, he you might say this is cheating. This is debatable for me, but I just feel like this guy is so underrated when it comes to baseball, partially because he's in the American League Central. Two seconds, guess who it is right now? American League Central, uh, first base, Miguel Cabrera. Underrated. No. Oh, okay. No, he is underrated. My man, Jose Abreu from the Chicago White Sox. Okay, I did kind of see that one coming about three seconds before you said it. I mean, this guy, no one ever talks about him, but he is, I mean, honestly, one of the best well-rounded first basemen in all of baseball. That is true. And And honestly, for all of his accolades, he is – I can see how you picked him because he is underrated. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I argue he's on the Chicago White Sox. I mean, that's pretty low. Though, if you might see Lucas Giolito turn into the superstar ace, and you might see the Chicago White Sox in World Series contenders. I, I don't know. You never know with teams like that. Anyways, if we're going to jump over to second base here, and this was very, very hard. I was really – I was tossed in between two second basemen. But one man, one out. And it's my guy, Colton Wong of the St. Louis Yeah, Park. that's what I'm talking about. And when it comes to underrated, Casey and I talked about this before the show. There isn't a second baseman that is more underrated than this man right here. And – I mean, arguably, we can say that he's not going to be underrated for long. That's true. Since he is on the St. Louis Cardinals, they did go to the postseason. He was their best hitter in 20, 2019. 285 batting average. He's got good speed, 24 stolen bases. I mean, and let's not – I mean, we don't even have to go into this man's defense right here. It's kind of legendary. Oh, yeah. This And if anybody, if you can come up with an argument against this, I was tossed in between him and another guy. But honestly, there is not a more underrated second baseman in baseball than that man right there. Okay, I, I have to say I do not disagree with you in any way, shape, or form. Now, this guy 
that's going to be taken over at shortstop. Might be a big surprise for you, Casey. Okay. But once you read this man's stats, you're not going to – you're, you're going to agree. This guy plays in the American League East. He's 30 years old. Xander Bogarts? Baltimore Orioles. Can you tell me who it is? VR? My man, Jose Iglesias. Oh, I didn't know he played for the uh, Orioles. He was traded to Baltimore this season. Wow. Now, this is another one of those guys that came up. He did play for the Tigers and arguably one of my favorite shortstops of all time. But if we look at his 2019 stats, he batted 288. His career batting average right now is 273. Not to mention, and if you've watched or even heard of Jose Iglesias at all, you'd know what kind of glove this guy has. I mean... Yeah, I'm not even a, I'm not even an AL Central person, and I still know about Jose Iglesias. Oh, yeah. This guy is one of the most underrated players in the game. And there's guys, even guys like... For those of you who don't know who uh, Alex Bregman is, <laughs> if you don't, I don't know where you've been. Third baseman, I mean, yeah, third baseman for the Houston Astros in the interviews has even said that one of the guys he watched and one of the guys he studied to become a good defender ever there at third base and shortstop was Jose Iglesias. Hmm. This guy is an absolute beast on the infield and a really good hitter. He, and the thing is, you can bounce him all over the lineup. And when he was in Detroit, we'd see him bat. I mean, I honestly think I saw him bat in every position in the batting order, from leadoff to ninth. And that's just how versatile he is. And one thing I see about him, I'm looking at his stats right now. He actually, he is a true uh, underrated player. He has only been elected to one All-Star game ever, and he's never won any awards. Yeah, it's true. He's just – he's one of those guys. Now, obviously, there are guys in the big leagues right now like Francisco Lindor who are phenomenal with the glove. That's and guys like Brandon Crawford, that's hard to beat those guys. But still, I mean, you can't even argue with the fact that Jose Iglesias is one of the most underrated shortstops in the game. I now, jump over – if we jump over to third base, this one might be a surprise to you, Casey. I, I think it's definitely going to be a surprise. This was another close one between another third baseman, Eduardo Escobar of the Arizona Diamondbacks. But I had to go with this man right here because he doesn't get a lot of publicity and his stats aren't super great. But I still think he is underrated for the team he plays for in the American League East. Can you tell me who it is? Yandy Diaz. My man, Kyle Seager of this. Excuse me. Did I say AL East? I meant AL West. My bad. Kyle Seager of the Seattle Mariners is my pick for third base. I mean, the guy only played in 106 games, and he only batted 239 in 2019. But if we look at the years past, besides 2018, where he only batted 221, the numbers aren't that bad. 
2016, the guy hits 30 home runs, 99 RBIs, as the bats 278. And his stats really have been around the same throughout his career. And we all know that he's been really overshadowed by his younger brother over there in L.A., Corey Seager, when he won Rookie of the Year. But not only has Kyle Seager been to an All-Star game, he's also won a gold glove, and he is a good defender. And I feel like defense is one of the biggest things in baseball that is so underrated, especially with all of the home runs that are hit in the game right now. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you uh, on the defense being underrated in Major League Baseball. Um, And I can't say I disagree with uh, Kyle Seager as your choice for third base. Um, Honestly, he's he's been underrated his entire life. Always played for a team that was never at the top of the standings, you know, and then Mm -hmm. later on he's been overshadowed by his – uh, potential superstar, but oft injured brother Corey Seager. But that's a good, yeah. solid pick there at third base. Now this for left field. This is the guy that I was having struggles with because I wanted to put him at second base, but he also does play a lot of outfield. And this guy is a truly underrated ball player Jose from the American League Central. And if you say Jose Altuve, I'm going to laugh at you. Oh, okay. If you can guess what this is, I'll be very surprised because because honestly, nobody talks about this guy. Whit Merrifield. No one. Whit Merrifield, my man in Kansas City. The guy. I'm just going to go through some of the stats over here that he's had for the past three seasons. Starting it off in 2019 – He led the league. He had 162 games. He batted. He had over 681 at bats. In those at bats, he had 206 hits, 10 triples, and 20 stolen bases, and batted 302. 2018, 158 games, 192 hits, 45 stolen bases. The year before that, 34 stolen bases. This guy is arguably the most underrated superstar in the game right now. I, I can't say I disagree with you, and I honestly did not think of him, which is a sure sign that you know a player deserves to be on, the, uh, on an underrated list. So, and he plays for the Royals which is a team that's never going to win a World Series again. Sorry, Royals, Royals fans. Um, I'm actually a, a semi-Royals fan because uh, the Cardinals are from Missouri and so are the Royals. So, Yeah, a lot of people don't know that the Royals stadium is actually on the Missouri side, not the actual Kansas side of Kansas City. So technically they are a uh, – a Missouri team. And anyways, moving on to center field. This is a guy that is not necessarily underrated, but he is, he hasn't come into his own yet. And I don't think you would guess this ball player at all, but it is my man. Excuse me. 
Jacoby Jones from the Detroit Tigers. Okay, kind of saw that one coming. Now, a lot of people don't realize is even though his batting average for 2019 is 235 out of 298 at-bats, this kid's stats defensively are some of the best in the game right now for center fielders. In fact, he is only matched by one center fielder in all of baseball defensively, and that is St. Louis Cardinals, Harrison Bader. Oh, yeah. This kid, I mean, the Detroit Tigers have been on the struggle bus for the last couple years. And honestly, I really feel like this guy could be the catalyst, could be one of those big catalysts that propels the Detroit Tigers to another World Series. If you look at the Detroit Tigers' history, they've always had that fast center fielder between Austin Jackson, Rajai Davis, and guys like that. And Jacoby Jones is kind of just carrying on the uh, on the torch, you might say. I really feel like if he comes into his own, we might see you know another Gold Glove defender out there in Detroit. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good choice. Um, and I'm not going to say much because. Where it's getting pretty late, and I do actually want to uh, to tell my picks. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah true. not not to say and, that uh, you talk too much, but you talk too much. So, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. And my final pick for the outfield right fielder. He is registered as a center fielder, but he does play right field. He played right field for most of the 2019 season. And for sake of time, I'm not going to go Mike into him Trout. right mostly. No. Oh, okay. National League, uh, Atlanta Braves right fielder, Ender Inciarte. We saw him shift over to right field because of Ronald Acuna Jr. And this guy has really, really been an underrated ball player for a long time. Ever since he was in Arizona, three gold gloves. I mean, I'm not going to say much. And then finally for my pitcher – my guy from Washington, Patrick Corbin. Um, well, that's that's a decent choice because if you're on the Nationals um, and you're a starting pitcher, you're going to be overshadowed by Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, including exactly. if your name is Clayton Kershaw. And finally, my bullpen pick is going to be kind of interesting, but I'm going to do it. And he's another guy that's about to come into his home and come into his own, in my opinion. Joe Jimenez of the Detroit Tigers. That's a solid pick. Flame throwing right. Yeah, exactly. Flame throwing righty. I mean, he really just he kind of stole the closing spot for the Tigers and is really settled in there. I think if you give him a couple years, he might turn into that superstar over there. Nice. Anyways, you're up, man. All right. Well, Take it away. Well, um, I will uh, I'll try to be quick with these. Uh, but starting out catcher, I actually made a change on this. Um, I did have Austin Hedges there, but I decided to go away from the uh, away from the unbelievable defense and go to a player that has unbelievable offense and is only is only three years into his career, but from the American League Central. See, I, I spend all that time saying how I don't pay much attention to the American League Central. But uh, Minnesota Twins catcher Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver. What do you think yep. of that? I like this pick. I mean, 
he really came into his own in 2019 and 31 home runs, 273 batting average. Yeah. And yeah, this guy is a great pick. I like him. Yeah, it's it, it's a good solid pick. Uh, it gives you just that great power uh, there and uh, there behind the dish, and also serviceable defense. Yeah. All right. Speed is not there, but well, that's he's a catcher. He doesn't have yeah. to have speed. Yeah. Um. But anyway, first base, my man, former Cardinal Luke Voigt. This is an interesting pick, in my opinion, because, like, honestly, nobody knows who he is. And he's a Yankee. But he is true, and he's a Yankee, and he is truly underrated. That's true. So, anyway, it, I'm going to try, try to keep these shorter. Um, but it, Luke Voigt hits, uh, you know, for decent power, decent uh, – actually, above average power, decent fielding. Uh, can't run, but he's a first baseman, so he doesn't have to. Uh, and it's overall a good first baseman who's still pretty young, 29 years old, and is only three years into his career. At second base, yeah. and we actually share this one, which anyone who knows me uh, totally saw this coming, um, but Colton Wong, by far the most underrated uh, second baseman in the majors. Uh, and honestly, if you look at his defensive stats, he's by far the best defensive second baseman in the majors. Um, one of gold maybe the best defender in the majors. Do what? Maybe the best defender in the majors. That's true. It's it's close between him and a couple of uh, center fielders. But anyway, so he's he's just he's great with the glove, and his offense is surprisingly good. He's got great speed. You know, he's a good number two hitter. Can hit up to two eighty. You know, do all the do all the good things that a second baseman should be able to do has only won one gold glove and honestly could have won potentially three or four others. But shortstop, and I think you're going to be surprised about this, but I'm going with the Royal. Oh, I like this pick too, Adelberto Mondesi. I don't even know how to spell that last name. Yeah, me either. I would love to look up the. I just put it, you know, auto auto correct kind of corrects for it. But anyway, so he's very very fast. One of the fastest players in the majors. Can play a couple of different positions. He played center field a couple of times last year. Um, had decent stats. And remember, this is not a this is not a superstar uh, ranking. But Adalberto Mondesi. Just a, a good overall player, only a few years into his career. And, you know, batting average, not quite there. 185, 170, 276, 263 in four years. But the stolen bases is, is it's crazy. He's got a total of 75 oh, yeah. in the last two years. So just a, a – Oh, yeah, this guy is awesome. He is an awesome ball he player. He is, and he's got 10 triples, and he had them last year, had more triples than home runs, which I am for, and only got caught stealing seven times out of 50 chances. So the, he's there for the uh, – he's got an 86% caught stealing – or uh, uh, stolen base success rate. Very good there, uh, and it's just a, a good all-around overall shortstop. Up at third base, and we got just my second Cardinal – of the of the pick, so I, I was really proud of myself for getting these uh, 
getting these picks down to just a couple of Cardinals. But Tommy Edmond plays for the St. Louis Cardinals and is an absolutely unbelievable player. Great defense, hit over 305 last year. Just And really, he was the person who led the Cardinals to the postseason. He took over for Matt Carpenter, um, rest in peace, and, uh, you know, <laughs> but anyway, uh, just a, a great overall player uh, has the potential to be a superstar eventually. You know, just a, a a if he puts it all together, could become a superstar. Just you know, good good player. Left field, Tommy Pham. Don't have to say much about him. He's a jerk, but he can hit. Tommy Pham was also on my list originally. Because he is very underrated, in my opinion. Yes. Well, that happens when you play for the Cardinals and then the Rays. You don't exactly get that much publicity. Um, Excuse me. Just just quick. I'm just going to butt in real quick that Tommy Pham actually is an outfielder for the San Diego Padres. What? Oh, yes, I forgot. Just letting you know. Yep, and that's actually another underrated team. So. Yeah, he needs to find a team like the Yankees. I'm yeah, sorry, well, Tommy. I, fan. If he plays for the Yankees, he, he wouldn't get, get noticed. That's true. Well, I mean, debatable. Well, that's true. Who is in left field? Well, I mean, you got Judge and Stanton there in the outfield. But, that's true. Yeah. So anyway, center fielder, uh, pretty much a clone of Jacoby Jones, except with way cooler hair and uh, makes more diving plays. I think uh, Harrison Bader. St. Louis Cardinal, uh, you know, the the tied for best center fielder out there right now defensively. Can't hit, uh, but, you know, it, it, when you got defense like he does, you don't really have to hit. I feel like center fielders, it's like for them, it's either you have defense or you have offense. And then you have Mike Trout in the major leagues. And then there's Mike Trout who's like, you know, the best center fielder. Yeah, ever. but we don't count him because he's he honestly he might be underrated. I don't oh. think so. No. Well, I mean he plays for the Yankees, <laughs> but you know we didn't put him on our list because he is uh, recognized no. as by far the best player in the majors and is potentially yeah, exactly. one of the best ever. Anyway, right field, Corey Dickerson plays for the Philadelphia Phillies. Surprising pick there for some people, I mean, but you know he's he's just he's a solid defender, and he's really has been able to hit for quite a few years. Not many people know about him, but he's played for several different teams: Rays, Pirates, uh, Phillies, different bunch of different teams that really aren't that popular. But he's a good good yeah. pick there for right field. Can field, can hit, has decent power. What do you think about that? I mean, and just to be clear to everybody listening, most of these picks are supposed to be surprising to you because they're underrated. Exactly. And Corey Dickerson is definitely not a is not. What's the a word? Superstar is no exception. He's definitely no exception to the rest of the list. That's true. Superstar, he's not a superstar either, but he's. You know, there's a lot of guys in the big leagues like this, and these are the guys that really make the team. That's true. And honestly, he's he's a he's you know he's a, one of those guys that can hit 
second, third, fifth, sixth, and can drive in runs and play yeah. defense. So good pick there. Um, real quick before I move on to pitchers, I'm going to give a couple of honorable mentions. And I feel kind of this is why uh, one of these guys did not make the uh, – Make, he did not make the team was because he almost won an MVP last year. Marcus Sim, Simeon, I don't know how to say his name, but he almost yeah, won an MVP, so he's not really underrated anymore. So I couldn't pick him. And then Paul DeYoung, two shortstops, uh, Simeon, Simeon, whatever his name is, uh, decent uh, fielder, can hit pretty well. Paul DeYoung, if he's on, then he's on as we saw last year in April. But just two honorable mentions yeah. that didn't quite make the team. Uh, one, because Paul DeYoung is a Cardinal, and I felt like I had too many on my team. And Simeon almost won an MVP, so he does not get on the team. Yeah. So anyway, last two anyway. guys, starting pitcher, relief pitcher. Starting pitcher, I'm going with my team from Texas. And no, that's not the Astros. It's the Rangers. Lance Lynn. Ooh, that's a great pick right there. Lance man. Lynn has been one of the best pitchers, underrated pitchers out there for years, and nobody knows about him. Really until this year, or until he played for the until he played for the Yankees. See, when you when you go and play for the Yankees, yeah. you suddenly become either overrated or average rated. But anyway, Lance Lynn, <laughs> great, great, uh, great, just pitcher. He's just a good pitcher. Can't throw that hard. Uh, you know, kind of tubby. Kind of reminds me of David Wells or CC Sabathia. But um, just a good pitcher. Former Cardinal. You know, so I got to watch him come up, and it, he's just he's just a good, you know, possible up there to ace if you have a bad team. But, you know, just underrated. That's pretty much the word for Lance Lynn. And you could definitely say he, you know, he could potentially become the ace of the Rangers, depending on how Corey That's Cater true. That's true. Really turns out to throw this yeah. year. All right. Last pick, relief pitcher. And because you went with a Tiger on your relief pitcher, I'm not feeling so bad about going with the Cardinal for mine. Giovanni Gallegos, guy with honestly one of the best – uh, years in a while, but Gallegos is just, he's a middle reliever, doesn't play, you know, doesn't, doesn't close out games, you know, so he doesn't get the, doesn't get the publicity from that, but Gallegos last year, 2.31 ERA, which is really good, um, 66 games, 74 innings pitched, and this is, this might surprise you, but a 0.81 whip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't go with Jordan Hicks. Uh, there, well, Hicks is kind of speed is never. Well, he was uh he's not overrated or he's not underrated because he can throw 105. Yeah. That's but true. anyway, one more thing about Gallegos before I uh before I close my uh picks. Uh Gallegos as a middle reliever had a 2.1 war last year, which is just unbelievable for a middle reliever. Oh, yeah, this this kid is, is really, really good. I mean, if we look at his stats, I mean, just his regular stats with that 2.31 ERA, that is a great ERA for that a is, bullpen. That and that's the kind of guy you really want there. 
And middle relievers, I mean, they don't have as they they don't get as much credit as they should. That's true. Because they're the guys that are trying to get to the they're trying to get to the closer, you know. They're trying to save uh you know, trying to save that game. They're the guys they're they're so underrated. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, we honestly you could have put a whole bunch of good middle relief pitchers in. But I'm a Cardinals fan, so Gallegos was in. And one more stat about him that I'm that I bet you nobody listening to this knew about him. But he had an eleven point three strikeout per nine ratio last year. Wow. Eleven point three. So I mean he struck out ninety three That is that's phenomenal, dude. That wow. Yeah, but anyway, that was my picks. Uh, I think my team would trounce your team, uh, except for you know the fact that you picked a superstar uh, in your underrated picks. Okay, he was an underrated okay, superstar. Well, yeah, but does okay. that count? Yes, it does count. Really? He's underrated. I didn't say like you couldn't say superstar. I said underrated ball player. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Yeah. Um. You know what? Somehow, I don't know. It'd be cool if they could contact us, but uh, it's debatable. I really feel like Whit Merrifield is underrated. But uh, anyways, with that, we're going to go to a break. Uh, tune in for the second half. We'll be right back. And, uh, yeah, I yeah, think that's about I think it. So, see you all on the other side. Stay. So- And welcome back to the second half of the AJ in the Case podcast. I'm Casey Burton. Over in Arizona is my co-host, AJ Garissi. Howdy, everybody. Sitting next to me right now is my dad, Pastor Jason Burton. And uh, he's on here. We needed some expert, uh, expert advice and stuff, so we invited him on. Thanks for coming on, Dad. Well, hey, good to be on the broadcast this evening. I'm honored to be your guest on, and from what I understand, I guess I am the second guest that you've had on this broadcast. Looking forward to talking about baseball tonight, since everything's been shut down with regard to the sports world. Yes, sir. So, all of you who don't know, we just actually tried to record this, so this is kind of a second take that you guys are getting, but I put a poll out on my Instagram on topics for this evening and the topic we're going to be covering that I got from the Instagram post is we're going to be covering the best hitters in baseball, the best hitter from every decade in baseball, from 19, the 1950s up to the 2010s. This is going to be a really good topic, I think, because you know there's a lot of great hitters that you kind of put into this list. But we're going to look – this is the best hitter. We want to find that guy, the best hitter of the league. And I'm going to let you guys start it off because you are the guest, uh, Pastor Jason or Uncle Jason, as we call him. I was, uh, what is your pick for the best hitter of the 1950s in your Wow, opinion? the best hitter for the 1950s, and you're letting me go first, huh? Yes, well, sir. I don't, I don't think it'll be any surprise. I think it, I, I'm going to guess that this is going to be unanimous between all three of us, but I'm going to I'm going to have to go with Mickey Mantle as being the best hitter of the decade. I mean, any guy that. Uh, well, his best year, he hit 353, but any guy that can um, hit 132 home runs and, uh, well, actually, he had a 353 average for the entire uh, decade. And, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Those stats are incorrect. My uh, source was incorrect. I'm still going to go with Mickey Mantle, though. 
Uh, yeah, I, I have to go with Mickey Mantle myself here. I mean, we're talking about an all-time great in baseball itself. I mean, this is one of the game's biggest stars that ever really walked the, walked the ball field at that time. And his stats all around were just phenomenal. A great power hitter, like you said. I mean, 1955, the guy hits – and 37 home runs, which isn't bad, but then we jump up to 1956, 52 home runs, 132 RBIs with a 353 batting average. I mean, wow. it doesn't get much better than that right there. Casey, what, yeah, do you, what do you what do you take on this? Well, um my pick for the 1950s, you know, Mickey Mantle because you know, he's he's the best switch hitter to ever walk the planet. Pretty much, uh, like you said, you guys gave all the stats and stuff about him. But uh, because you guys talked all about Mickey Mantle, I want to name my uh, number two pick for the 1950s, and that's uh, my man, St. Louis Cardinals outfielder Stan the Man Musial. Why do I not feel surprised at this at uh, all? You've got to admit, though, AJ, um, this is Jason talking, by the way. You've got to admit that he actually was the second best hitter in all of baseball. Uh, he, outside of uh, Cardinals fans, he is pretty underrated, but he was one of the greatest hitters of all time. Absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I could not think of the word for just a second there. I just, I mentioned that uh, Casey has brought up a Cardinal, a Cardinal ball player. And I think every single podcast. That's probably have not going to change. Probably not. Hey, you know what? I, I'm going to give you props for that, man. Hey, you are loyal to your team right there. That's an understatement. And the I am a Detroit fan, but uh, there's not a lot of to- lot to talk about in Detroit right now. So, you know, all of you who think I'm not loyal to the Detroit Tigers, I am. We just need to get better. Yeah, I, I think- agree with that. <laughs> Well, okay, here's a question for you, AJ, just to kind of roll the ball forward. Hey, wh- who was the best Tigers hitter of the 1950s? That's a great question. I'm not even sure I know this one. I have I have not looked, studied my Detroit history for a long time. That is sad. I know. I, actually, I don't I, think there were too many Tigers that uh, were great that decade. I do believe that Larry Doby ended up playing for the Tigers for at least one year, but uh, you couldn't he was. Uh, couldn't pick him as a Tiger for the decade because he was with other teams for a lot, uh, a lot longer time. Yes, like I said, guys, I'm not the most loyal Detroit Tiger fan out there, especially when you live in Arizona and you have teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks that you can kind of fall back on as your uh, your your favorite team when your team wins. I mean, excuse me, loses 96 games a season. Yeah, that kind of hurts. I really feel like Ron Gardenhire is going to get it together this year. We're going to go to the World Series. All you fans out there, you know, watch out. We're coming. We're coming. Just stay. Uh, the The Jonathan Scope move is the reason we're going to the World Series. Okay, yeah, um, and moving on, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the 1960s. Um, I'll go ahead and share my top pick for the 1960s, and I am going to go with maybe a controversial pick. 
I'm going with Willie Mays, San Francisco Giants outfielder. Ooh, that's a great – I feel like Willie Mays, in my opinion, may be one of the most well-rounded baseball players of all time. What's I would, your guys' opinions? I, I would agree with you on that. He's honestly – it. I mean, you, you look at his career stats, and he's got one of the highest war to- totals ever, 156.2. But the 1960s, he was just coming into his prime. Uh, 1960, turned 29, and just pretty much hit unbelievably for the entire decade. He had uh, only one MVP, but one gold gloves every year of the 1960s, um, and made the all-star team every year. Came in top of the, you know, top 10 in MVP voting every year for the 1960s. And pretty much was just unbelievable. An unbelievable hitter and an unbelievable fielder as well. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on that, uh, uh, Pastor Jason? I'm going to call you Pastor Jason because it sounds more official on here. That's fine. No worries. Well, yeah. actually, you know, there were a couple of other guys that I think would be at least close to Mays, maybe even surpassing him. And uh, although Mays had a great year at the plate, I think that uh, Hank Aaron's consistency over the 10 years probably would put him at the top. And uh, and I know that there were so many that were so close in that decade. I mean, you think of even guys like Frank Robinson and Har- Harmon mm-hmm. Killebrew and Carl Yastrzemski and Mickey Mantle and Willie McCovey. I mean, this decade was absolutely packed with guys that could hit the ball even dick allen and tony oliva orlando cepeda all these guys were just so incredible at the plate during the 1960s but really it's got to come down to well i would say definitely down to the three hank aaron frank robinson and willie mays but i've got to go with hank aaron on this his consistency has never been matched in baseball and uh with regard to hitting the long ball anyway yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, when you look at the 50s and 60s, there are so many different picks that you have through that entire thing. And you actually brought up one of my my pick for the 1960s. And not because he was the best, just because he's ultimately one of my favorite ballplayers, and that is Carl Yastrzemski. I really feel like going through the 60s, he didn't have those power numbers, but if we look at his batting average, he barely batted a season. He barely had a season where he batted under 300. Well, yeah, and, and then, then you have the year 1967, I believe it was, the year of the pitcher where he was just so much better than anyone else. He won a triple crown with exactly just not totally uh, league-leadable or league-leadable uh, stats. He only hit barely above 300, only had like 44 home runs, I believe. But it still, it, in that uh, era of baseball, it's much harder to, you know, win all those, uh, win, a, win a triple crown. And it's just, it's interesting to look back and see that he actually did it. And he was, he did surpass a bunch of the greatest hitters of the um, 1960s in doing it. Absolutely. And before we continue really quick, I have a question for both of you. Uh, considering the, the last several years, we'll say the last 50 years of baseball, would you say the game has changed at all since then? Whereas, 
would you say the bullpen has had an effect on the hitting of these ball players on baseball players batting average overall since that time? Sorry, can you ask? What, what would you say? Sorry, that? can you ask that again? I'm sorry. Technical difficulty. Yeah. Uh, would you say that the bullpen has brought the batting average down yeah. in the last several years? Um from back then, would you say the bullpen has brought that uh, <clears throat> has changed the way hitters are hitting now and changing that batting average? Well, I would have to say um, yes, because you have these guys that are coming in, you know, throwing 103 miles an hour, Aroldis Chapman, Jordan Hicks, guys like that, um, and they're coming in fresh. They only have to know two pitches, and they don't even really have to have that good of location, but it's just so hard for guys that have been playing all game to catch up to that, you know, enormous high 90s, uh, low 100s yeah. fastballs, and then just the great breaking balls that some of these relievers have. Yeah, that see, that's my thinking in the matter. Because nowadays, and you guys, you know, put in your, uh, put in your opinion here. I mean, nowadays when you look at a, an average ball team, there's four or five guys that it can come out of that bullpen and throw, you know, 90 plus. And you're seeing, you know, if your starting pitcher isn't up to par, all of a sudden you have you can you could potentially see four to five different pitchers in a game. And I feel like myself that that has really made the game a lot harder on hitting. Well, it has what do you it, guys it has, think? AJ, I think it has made the game harder on hitting. But you got to think about all of these revolutionary changes that happen in baseball with regard to the skill level. And so it's always ratcheted mm-hmm. up. Now, if you were to take Babe Ruth, for instance, and you were to put him against Randy Johnson or something like that, Randy Johnson more than likely would have just blown him away. But there, and not because Randy Johnson yeah. was that much better a pitcher than Babe Ruth was a hitter. That all has to do with the competition that they're going through. So these guys that are hitting today – you know, able to hit 325, uh, as long as they're not getting signs and symbols from center field and then the banging of the trash can, right? They're, uh, they're, they're basically <laughs> have li- elevated themselves to uh, the level of the pitching. And that's going to happen. It's going to ratchet up exactly. now throughout history. So it makes it very difficult to yeah. compare today's hitters to hitters of old because essentially the game's better. You always have people running a faster mile, right? You've always got baseball pitchers, for instance, that are throwing an extra five miles per hour over what they threw even 10 or 15 years ago. So you're always going to have that elevation of skill level that's ratcheting up between the pitchers and the batters. So I think that if these guys lived back in the day, they would be hitting essentially the same way then as they are now. However, the one thing that did change, and really this started in the mid-90s, when they really started bringing in a lot of relief pitchers is that you're constantly facing fresh pitchers. And so with that, with that angle, with that perspective, I do think that it is harder because of that, because you're not facing these pitchers uh, three or four and sometimes even five times that are the starters that have been in that game that entire time. So, yeah, I would say overall it is harder, but don't neglect to remember that the level of the competition also ratchets up. So batters are getting better, even as pitching staffs are getting better. I mean, and we can even look at the final game of the ALCS of this of 2019. That was an entire bullpen game. 
there was no, there wasn't any, you know, we didn't have a starting pitcher come in that whole game. That was all bullpen arms. And, you know, it's just, it's just an interesting little thing to look at right there, how the game has changed. Anyways, let's, uh, let's move on to the 1970s. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start this one off. Uh, my pick for the best hitter of the 1970s, I'm going to have to give to Rod oh, come Carew. come on, man. Rod Carew, 1977. I mean, if we look at his stats from the 1970s here, starting in 1972, going to 1975, his batting average is 318, 350, 364, 359. I mean, now, me personally, I am a huge fan of small ball because I feel like there's just way too many home runs hitting the game. So that's what really sells me on Rod Carew here. What are you guys' thoughts? Well, honestly, you, you stole my pick. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's, you know, uh, it's – but you look at his stats, and not only was he a high average hitter, but he could steal the he could steal those bases. He could go for the extra base. He as he got sixteen triples in nineteen seventy seven. That's something that hasn't even really been approached in the last twenty years. But he hit three eighty eight in nineteen seventy seven, and collectively, starting in nineteen sixty nine, going down to about. 1983, he never hit below 300. Only won one MVP that mm-hmm. throughout that entire time. But he was an all-star every year, pretty much every year of his career, except for his final one. And you could say that he deserved that. But it's it, he uh, he is my pick for the best uh, of the 1970s. What do you think, Dan? Well, uh, I would have to disagree with both of you. Now, here's a question for you. Uh, AJ, I'll ask you first. Uh-oh, I turned into the interviewer. Yeah. Um, so uh, which do you value more, home runs or or batting average? I value batting Casey, average. Casey, which one do you value? I would have to say batting average. All right, so if I was going to make this pick of who the best hitter of the 1970s was, based on batting average, I absolutely 100% would have picked Rod Carew. Can you imagine hitting 388? Well, but uh, you guys like to see the long ball too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do like to see the, ru- right. the long so ball. So if you were to pick the best hitter, just base, say the best home run hitter in all of baseball during the 1970s, you might go with uh, Mike Schmidt or you might go with uh, Reggie Jackson probably, right? If if it was just based yeah, on probably. home runs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, I'm going to introduce you guys to a guy that had both. Now, not as high a level of power as um, as Reggie Jackson. Not as high a level of batting average as Rod Carew. They were great about what they did. But uh, I want you guys to consider Joe Morgan for a minute. Yeah, Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan. Check that guy out. You know what? He is second. He is a, 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 he was a guy that I was thinking about when I was uh, thinking of who I could pick. And honestly – he may have been underrated. He won two MVPs. He won one in 1975, won another in 1976, the years of the uh, big red machine. But you look at his stats, and now he didn't hit that many home runs, but 1970s, they weren't exactly the uh, you know 50 home runs for every guy sort of game. 
1976, he hit 27. 1973, he hit 26 and scattered a few other 20 homer seasons. Um, he had that speed, 11 triples in 1971, uh, stole over 60 bases three times. And But one thing that's, that impresses me about him uh, as I look at his stats here was his ability to get on base. Yeah, I got yeah, I may have I may have to change my pick here because Joe Morgan, just by stats alone, is a coach's yeah, of dream. Of course, he could do it all. And get this guy's he was five foot seven and a second baseman. No, I like Joe Morgan. This like Yeah, this gives all yes, short guys hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that again, this is just I mean, that's a really a hard pick again. Rod Carew, I mean, arguably the best hitter of that decade. And then you add Joe Morgan in there, who's the most well-rounded hitting ball player in the game. That's true. Uh, one one more stat I'm going to give you guys real quick. Uh, so Joe Morgan, Rod Carew. Joe Morgan in his best year when he won an MVP, he had a 1.020 OPS. Wow. In 141 games, and he struck out 41 times. Amazing. Good Rod Carew, in his best year, hit 388, <laughs> won an MVP, and struck out 55 times in 694 plate appearances. Well, that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. So, uh, I think we should move on to the uh, 1980s. I mean, why not? Because that's the whole point of this 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 podcast. We're gonna move on. Nineteen eighties, Casey. What do you got? All right, nineteen eighties best hitter of the nineteen eighties, and I am gonna have to go with. As much as I hate to do it, because honestly, I don't like the guy, Ricky Henderson, Oakland A's, New York Yankees, just pretty much the ultimate. He's pretty much the Joe Morgan of the nineteen eighties except with more speed and more power. Okay. That's an issue. I was not expecting that at as all. As much right as there. I don't like the guy, you gotta have, you gotta give him props for just being unbelievably consistent. I mean, you look at the guy and he stole, everybody knows that he stole 130 bases in 1982, setting the all time record, but he stole a hundred bases in his, First full year, 56 the next in the strike-shortened season of 1981, 130 in his third full year ever, 108, 66, 80, 87, 41, 93, 77. And it's just it. his career was amazing. He also hit more than 20 home runs twice during the 1980s. He scored 146 runs in 1985 which is absolutely insane. Yeah, that's, he, <clears throat> excuse me, an incredible ball player. Uh, Pastor Jason, what, what do you think well, about that? Well, I, I think I would disagree. You know, this is we're now getting in the times that I remember. I actually watched some of these guys play in the 1980s. <laughs> I can remember uh, Mike Schmidt, for instance, coming up to the plate. Eddie, Eddie Murray I watched on baseball. Um 
you know, you've got uh, Don Mattingly during that area. You've got Wade Boggs. You've got Daryl Strawberry. There were a lot of great players during that time. But, I, but I've got to go with one guy that might surprise you quite a bit, and that is Eddie Murray. Now, I'm totally basing this on the fact that uh, Eddie Murray was, was known to be one of the best at his position every year when I was growing up. And so it's totally an emotional pick. But the guy ended up being the best switch hitting designated hitter ever, over 500 home runs for his career. Um, he was always, it seemed like he was always in the running for MVP. He never won it, but it seemed like he was always there through the 1980s. And, uh, and so maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm going with the emotional pick. You know, that's not, that's okay, not I can a bad see that. pick. I mean, you look at his stats. Uh, starting out 1980, he hits 32 home runs. But once again, this is not the 50 home run uh, corked ball 2010s. And next year, strike yes, short in season, true. he leads the league in home runs and RBI with a not very flattering 22 home runs and 78 RBIs. But he only played 99 games, so you can give him a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, a little bit of plus for that. 32 home runs next year, 33. He was, he was a good home run hitter. He walked some, led the league in uh, walks, 1984, 107. And was honestly, it, he had three gold gloves during the 1980s, went to the All-Star game almost every year, and was just pretty much your, your ultimate switch hitter. He's like the Mickey Mantle of the 80s. Exactly. You know, and, and one thing that, uh, again, one thing I will say – and I will continue to say all my life is that first base is a very underrated position, and, and because that that's the basis. Of I the, appreciate yeah. that. Everybody thinks they always put the guy that's not good at playing at first base, but that's not true. And the value of a good defensive first baseman is huge. I mean. One of the things that uh, one of the top, I think one of the best up and coming middle infielders of all time, Fernando Tatis Jr. Possibly, you know, just he's a phenomenal ball player. One of the things he has talked about all the time about that defense is he has one of the best defensive first basemen in the league. That's true. You look, Eric Hosmer. You look on the at other the side. St. Louis Cardinals. You know, I'm a Cardinals fan, so I have to go back to them. But, uh, it, you look at him two years ago when we committed we committed most or I believe it was the second most errors in the league, um, and then you turn it around completely by adding Paul Goldschmidt, who has won two Gold Gloves and is known as one of the best uh, defensive guys out there at first base. Um, and it's it's just it's we turned it around. Led the league in or, uh, or led the league in least amount of errors, um, and yeah, the first base is a very underrated position. Who's your uh, Who's your pick for the eighty? So I'm gonna disagree with both you guys on this one, and this is again uh, one of my favorite ball players. One of those guys that I kind of wanted to be like when I when I came up playing baseball, and that would be Tony Gwynn. I mean, yeah. Pretty much all Tony Gwynn had going for him was he was kind of fa- – oh, he was fast. And nowadays, he would have been really fast. Back then, all your speed is in the shadow of Ricky Henderson. 
But the guy was an incredible hitter. Best, best, best pure hitter out there in terms of making contact and getting on base uh, that I that I knew of. He, of course, was one of the superstars when I was growing up as well. And uh, boy, I got to give him a lot of kudos. I don't think he was the best out there. I disagree with you on that, but I think he was one of the best for sure. You guys ready for some controversy and conspiracy, what? real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah, All right, let's get into go. that. What if I told you there's a guy out there? that has a lifetime war of 46.5, won two MVPs during the 1980s, got MVP votes eight years, was an all-star eight years, had five gold gloves and four silver sluggers, hit 398 home runs, had 1,266 RBIs, and uh, boy, and eleven hundred ninety-seven runs for his career. What would you say about right. a guy that has those kind of stats? That's kind of insane. I'd say he has to right. be pretty good. Is that good. guy Hall of Fame worthy? Yeah, definitely. Would I you? would say you so. You know what his name is? Uh, I won't say he's not I in do. the Hall of Fame. My favorite player, if not my very favorite player, because I really liked Cal Ripken, and boy. We just glossed right over him, didn't we? Oh. Yeah, we did. But uh, wow, best all—you know—he could be one of the best all-round ones. He—he he wasn't the best hitter. Um, Dale Murphy. Wow. Oh, that's I a that, he is probably a, in the top three best hitters. Plus, he was good in the outfield. He got Gold Gloves. But one of the best three hitters in the 1980s, and he's totally been forgotten. Do you know why? Because he was a nice guy with a family. Why is that? Now that's a conspiracy for you. Wow. Wow. Well, I did not realize the stats were That's so incredible. One more guy I want to mention, however, before we move on to the 1990s and pretty much Barry Bonds, um, is Wade Boggs. <laughs> Wade Boggs, 1980s, came up in 1982, really didn't play his first full season until 1983. So he only played seven full seasons in the uh, 1980s. But this guy was the best average hitter in baseball. I mean, you look at you look at his batting average. He never hit below 325 in his until 1990. He only hit below 350 twice in 9 years. I know that. The American I have looked win, right? This is one of Exactly. This is one of those baseball cards when you get you just stare at the stats on the back thinking yeah, that it cannot exactly. be real. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, it, it's incredible to me. I mean, and this guy played for forever, too. I mean, he I, I believe I had a baseball card. I mean, I've had baseball cards of this guy up till almost early 2000s yeah, yeah. where he was playing for the Rays back then, or the Devil Rays. He is, I think, an, I, I feel like he is underrated. Just a little bit, but man, he was a he was. great hitter. And uh, we don't want to spend too much time on him because he did not make our top uh, player. So we're going to move on 1990s. I will go ahead and go first. Best hitter of the 1990s. Not even close. Oh, okay. Well, it's not we, even close who's it, the best hitter of the 1990s. We can all say it together. <laughs> One, two, three, Barry, Barry Bonds. Bonds. All right. All right. So, so AJ and Casey, you guys actually host this show. 
So um, do we then go to the best hitter that head did not increase, you know, uh, four hat sizes during his career due to using anabolic steroids? Yes, let's do that. That's, yeah, that's, that's a, a good idea. idea. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, Actually, let's you know do what? that um, right from there. From the 1990s, probably for the majority of the 1990s, Barry Bonds probably did not use any sort of drugs in order to enhance his, his body. He is one of the best baseball players to have ever existed and he would have been that way even without steroids that's true uh, it, yeah it, it's Go ahead, Case. the fact that he was a jerk and that he took steroids means that i would probably never vote for him in the hall of fame but his stats were just unbelievable it, it's uh it, it, it's sad how good his stats were especially you know it, later in his career when he was all uh, pumped up on drugs but anyway, other than Barry Bonds, we, best hitter of the 1990s, I'm going to go ahead and go with the kid, Ken Griffey Jr., Seattle Mariners outfielder. What do you guys think? That was oh. my pick as well. If we're doing that non, non-steroid guys, I feel like Ken Griffey Jr. is the pick for this. What do you think, yeah, Pastor I, Jason? I, I, I think he is, but you know who is real close to him? And one of the reasons we remember Ken Griffey Jr. so well is because he was a, a, a great guy. He always had a smile on his face, and he was an incredible center fielder. You've seen clips, I'm sure, of him robbing home runs and things like that. But uh, as far as hitting went, you know, having lived through the 90s, you guys have not yet discovered America. Um, I think that Frank Thomas was right up there as well. I mean, it was he was he was – it was between him and King Griffey Jr. as to whose rookie card you wanted to possess. But I think as time has gone on, we remember the kid uh, in a, a lot more because he was very outgoing, because he was well-liked by the media. Yeah, that's true. I honestly, I'm going to be straight honest with both you guys. The one thing that I remember that sticks in my mind about Frank Thomas is him charging the mound at Nolan Ryan. And then no one was his face. <laughs> was that Robin? I thought that was Frank no, Thomas. My bad, one guys. One of the most you know hilarious what? moments in sports because <laughs> the, the old guy just went to town on it. <laughs> that was. Bad. I wish this was like a live YouTube feed or something that we could just <laughs> yeah, put that on the screen, oh, well. right? Because that, I why did I think that was Frank know, Thomas? Thomas? Right, was that was Robin. 400 pound behemoth who happened to scare baseballs out of the stadium as opposed to hit them. Yeah, that's, that's about right. Uh, okay. Actually he was like six, four and two sixty, but you know, you get what I mean. Yeah. You, one of those guys that they just decided to throw change-ups the entire at bat because they felt like he was going to hit well, yeah, and, and change-ups, you know, they go, they go, they don't go as far. So, you know, he might not hit him 500 feet. It may only be 450. So, you know, hit Barbara Guire. Those... Yeah, that's <laughs> the a guy, good point. Hey, this should put him on your guys' good list. That he got hit for average. I think that's he hit true. 353 or something like that. That's one. true. He, in 1997, batted 347. And we are in the look, 90s, look right? 1994. Yes, we are. I almost lost. 1994. Oh, wow. 353. That's, That's uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, honestly, he's uh, he really is one of the all-time greats. Um, 
you look at his stats, he only played for 19 years, so he doesn't have that huge, uh, huge, you know, all those collective stats, but he still had 521 homers. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty much the you best hitter. You kids are hitter spoiled, I got to tell you. Somebody hits 521 homers and you're not impressed. <laughs> you kids these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, with that, let's let's jump into the 2000s. This is, uh, you might say this is the era of the, uh, you know, down with the steroids, but uh, in with the juice baseballs. It's just, we can so just yeah, start it off by that. At the same time, what? the same hitter. Actually, we're, we're not, because guess what? There are a couple other guys that deserve consideration. Yep. It's not Barry Bonds this time, guys. Just just to let you know. I mean, he only played yes. for seven of the years, and honestly, seven years was pretty much, if not for one other guy, the he 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 only needed seven years to be the best hitter of the twenty tens. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with yeah. my man, St. Louis Cardinals first baseman, Albert Pujols. Yes. Best ten years of any player ever. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Yes, it is. Sorry, my little brother just walked in the room. Albert Pujols, I mean, there is not, I mean, there isn't much competition if we're talking about the early 2000s. The guy starts in 2001. So, I mean, you can definitely say he is from the 2000s. And his stats were incredible. And the only guy that I feel like could even compete with these stats is my pick because he's a Detroit oh, Tiger and I'm going to be loyal. Miguel You just skipped like the entire, I mean, he only started in 2004, so he only got six years in. Yeah. I know, but I still like him. And you know what? Well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, tell man. you something. Um, how many MVPs did uh, Miguel Cabrera win in the 2010s? He won two. Um, what years did he win MVP? He won one, I believe, because his second one. Okay, was yeah, in, Albert Pujols won three and so. deserved two more. So, yeah. And uh, what what's your pick, Pastor Jason, for the best hitter of the twenty oh, early two thousands? Um, Is it? I would. I, I would yeah. have to go with Pujols. His mixing of home runs and batting average hadn't been seen in a very very long time and uh mike trout is kind of actually carrying on that legacy of just being the one guy you know that is above and beyond that almost uh Mm -hmm. like babe ruth went through now now miggy i love miggy and boy he was really keeping up with pujols there for a few years and uh, i hope miggy goes to the hall of fame but i do think pujols was better longer that's just my opinion well you know what yeah talking about mike trout uh, let's go ahead and move on 2010s, and we can all say it together. Because... No, hold on a second. Are we gonna, just going to skip over and gloss over A-Rod? Yes. Yeah, all right. with the Yankees. acknowledge that he was actually really, really good um, for, for a lot of years. Well, and he was also, yeah, I mean, he, he did use steroids. We so we're just going to ignore him and move on to the 2010s and Los Angeles Angels center fielder. Everybody say it together. Mike Trout. Yep. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. We got probably got so. some major yeah, feedback. I totally disagree with that. Oh, okay. 
I think it was Zach Granke. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, um, that was that was a baseball. Game. Hey, we can look at that stats. <laughs> Zach Granke. All right. That's great. I mean, if we're gonna go into, if we're gonna talk about pitchers of the late two thousands. I think he might be my pick, but we're not on that. Well, you know what? He this, might have been one week. of the greatest uh, hitters of the of the uh, 2010s. Uh, but well, He's yeah, hitting yeah. pitcher. But uh, you, you kind of can't argue with um, three MVPs and two missed MVPs. Also, the fact that he's played eight years, eight full years, and uh, I think he's overrated. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I, 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 no, no, he's no, not. No, you're right. Are we talking no, about Mike Trout or Mike Zach Ranky here? Yeah, you switched off. <laughs> okay. So. You know, Miggy's pretty close. Uh, he has some amazing years in those early eight, uh, in those early years of the decade. But uh, just being close isn't good enough. Mike Trout is is by far the best hitter that we've seen in a long time. Better than Pujols, I have to I say. I mean, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, and uh, and with that, guys, I mean, those are our picks. Um, I think, I think, I mean, we're we're at thirty nine minutes. We've time. been talking on here. Well, We've been I you going. One more question before we go. <laughs> so, uh, All right, who's the best? Yeah, let's the do 2020s? that. Twenties. Ooh. 2020s. 2020s. Nope, best center right, right now. When the decade's over, it's going to be um, Christian Yelich. I'm going to have to go with – oh, i got to think about this. Um, I think it's going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. Well, that's, that's quite the – I mean, can't really argue with that. I'm going to go ahead and go with Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, because I haven't had any time to think about this because you kind of sprung it on us. Sorry. Quickly, I, and I, I like I guess. Tatis, so, you know <laughs> – I can see Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, I feel like he's almost. I think he could potentially be a Mike Trout clone yeah. out there in center field. Or it might very well be Mike Trout. I mean, that yeah, guy true. could be Mike Trout. Could be playing for the Atlanta Braves, guys. Guys, I think we might be turning into yeah, one of those conspiracy maybe. podcasts. Of course, you can't really. So you can't count out. Bellinger the, might do well. Yeah, Cody Bellinger uh, won the yeah, MVP Bellinger. last year. You know, you mentioned Yelich, uh, Mike Trout. There's just so many good players that are coming up, um, and young players too. This is the 2020s are going to be the years of the uh, of the young guys. I mean, you look at all of the guys that are just yes, indeed, so young. Cody Bellinger, only 24 years old, had a 9.1 more last year. You think about yeah. Trout; he's only 28. I mean, and he. He's crazy. And Ronald Lacuna Jr. is yeah, even like, younger. Uh, 21, I think. But Mookie Betts kind of got glossed over uh, with not winning the MVP last year. But he's only uh, 27, I believe. Nolan Arenado, another young guy, 28. Anthony Rendon, uh, he might be a little bit older. But uh, he, he just – yeah, he does. He Plus looks older. Beard mostly. But it's, it's insane it is the, the amount of – great talent that's coming up right now as young guys. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
with that, we're at 42 minutes. Uh, I think we can end it right I about it there. What do you guys think? I just want to thank Dad for joining us uh, today, and thank everybody for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>